Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. My name is Casey Cheshire. I am your host for this epic journey. And today's show has a sponsor. Who is it? Cheshire Impact. Wow, what a similar name. Imagine that. On a mission to help you maximize your use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. Now, my guest today is back. She was here before, and I just, we, we could talk all day. Now, try to see if you can guess who it is. She is a revenue catalyst. I'm not even saying the revenue catalyst. Founder and CMO, the Marketing Advisory Network. Closer, closer, author of Unleash Possible, the marketing playbook we talked about. Highly sought after marketing keynote speaker, super cool person, friend, Samantha Stone. Welcome back. Welcome. I'm so excited to be here. I always want to give you like a to the screen fist bump. You know, we've got to like, you know, figure out how to do that. <laughs> yes. No, totally. Totally. Love it. So, welcome back. You know, we talked previously about content and all those different things. And we're, it's all about that, that marketing automation, that journey we're trying to take people down so they don't just buy a technology and then not use it. So, but we're getting toward the end of the year and I wanted to how do you come back and chat with us about some of this futuristic stuff? And I know you went on a trip. I want to hear all about that too. But first of all, let me repass you Thor's hammer here and please accept that. Now smash some myths and ideally about something about the future of marketing. What are you hearing out there? You're connected to stuff. Are people predicting craziness? What smash something for me? I love it. I have fully accepted Thor's hammer. Yes. And you know, one of the things that I think is really, I think there's two things I can smash if that's okay with you. Oh yeah, um, totally. The, the first thing I want to smash is the illusion that artificial intelligence is only for big companies that have a hmm. lot of money and have data science teams. Okay. That is 100% not true. Artificial intelligence is being integrated into all the technology and all the processes and things that we do as even small businesses really? and in our, how our customers interact with us. So like it or not, we're going to have the opportunity to deal with it. And I hope you're going to like it by the end of our conversation because okay. there's a lot of really wonderful things that come with it. But if you're thinking it's some big future thing, yeah, I need to be Amazon gets here, it. Yeah. You know, um, get over it. It's 100% not true. Wow. Okay. Um, the second thing that I want to talk about, and this is something I think all of us can identify with, is that talking to a human is always better than talking to a machine. Mm. And it is not. Talking really? to humans is often overrated. When, ah. it is, you know, when I am in the car with two kids in the backseat and I just want to know what time my appointment is, I actually don't want to talk to a person. I just That's want true. the answer to my question, right? Or true. I can't remember my account number and I need to unfreeze my credit and, you know, cause I'm standing <laughs> in an auto dealership trying to get my husband's truck finance and I yeah. forgot I froze credit and I don't want to talk <laughs> to anybody, just give me the number and unfreeze it, right? Yes, that's um, true. And, that's right? True. So, um, look, I huh. believe in human interaction. I think it adds tremendous value to my life, to my business, to all the things. And I'm not advocating we stop talking to each other as humans. All I am advocating, though, is that we let go of the idea that all interactions need to mimic human behavior. And instead, huh. we figure out which things are best served through technology and machines and which things truly need human interaction. Right. And then let's let those humans be human and talk to each other. Yeah. 
you know, and save the bandwidth, right? Because, yes. you know, I'm sure humans don't enjoy being on the other end of like, confirm your identity, confirm your numbers. Okay, you want me to click this button on my interface? Great. Any other questions? Have a nice day. Like over and, or Comcast, right? Like over and over and over again. Probably not a good role for human, but there might be an, a better suited one. Interesting. That You smashed that for me, actually, because I was just going into it, not even thinking about it, like a purist, like, of course, human interactions are better, but you're right. And sometimes even chat, I know we're going to talk about this later, can be better than a phone call because you have to be more polite on a phone call. At least I feel I do like, Oh, you know, thank you. Hi, you know, hi, Joan. I I really want to do this. Okay. Thanks. Anything else? I don't just hang right up on them. Like, thanks for helping click. I'm like, thank you. Okay. No, thank you. But thank you for calling you know, Schwab or whatever. That's else. because you're a nice human being. I know, I, I know. People on the other line don't always get that. But um, I actually think so. Yes, there's something about being polite. I, I still say thank you to my Amazon Echo device when they play <laughs> Like Surrey, you know, and I pick up my phone. I'm like, thanks, Surrey. Um, you know, so it's, I, I too often say that. But for me, the chat is about multitasking. Mm. I can have a chat live and be doing that while I'm doing something else while I'm right. reading while I'm watching a video don't shh, don't tell anybody while I'm on a conference call right or a podcast um, <laughs> right? I see your eyes go on a podcast but I have the opportunity to um so for me it's about that multitasking maybe times of day when staff you know nobody's there and it doesn't matter I just need a quick answer sometimes I just don't feel like dealing with people um, I've resorted to always ordering Good my point. pizza online. I love my pizza. Yeah. And I love the person who comes to my door and delivers my warm, steaming, smells so good pizza. But the conversation of trying to tell them what I want and, you know, everybody's in the background yelling. Oh, that's the worst. Who wants, you know, olives yeah. and who says no way, right? Like, I can just go online and type. And I, and I don't need to interact. But when they come to the door and they deliver it, now I've got this really nice person there and I can say hello and we can smile and, you know, he can explain. Sometimes they throw something in or offer me a coupon or something and that's wonderful. And so for me, it's about convenience and multitasking is often the case. Yeah, it's so interesting you bring up that point. It's it's like our interactions are not all the same. There's different kinds of ones. Yes. And I just ordered pizza last night, Domino's Pizza Tracker. And I can make sure I added the right thing. I can make sure I'm getting the right yeah. price. So easy. You can even hit one button. It's too easy. You can hit one <laughs> button and your cinnamon things and your pizza. I always add my cinnamon, you know, I don't know what they call them, cinnamon rolls or dots or whatever they call them. But yeah. somehow when that thing pops up the recommendation, I always say yes. Oh, those little dotty things. Yeah, I usually... Yeah. Do like the five, you know, the five for five thing where it's like, oh yeah, throw on those cinnamon sticks. That'll, the kids will eat those, and I eat, you know, a couple more of those. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Like that is the worst experience on the phone for anyone who's ever ordered pizza on the phone, and you don't know if they get it right, and they mess it up. You get anchovies, or I don't know. And they're right? usually multitasking too, right? They've got yeah. at the counter. The oven's going off. Yep. They can't hear me. I can't hear them. Um, yeah, I happen to have a pizza place that, um, we, my mom has a tradition, which is literally every single Friday, she has the grandkids over after school and they have pizza. For dinner. Oh, it's awesome. Friday at mom's. It's the coolest thing ever. Love her. Her order is identical every <laughs> single Friday. When she calls, they go, yep, for Hyatt. Okay. And you know, they go ahead and they don't need to have that, you know, conversation. so good. 
it's all, it's good to go. But for the most part, it's, it's not the interaction that is pleasant. It doesn't do anything to improve my circumstance. They never have the opportunity to upsell me on the phone because they're busy and I'm busy. Right. But online, I can often try new things, add things, use coupons, all kinds of benefits. Oh, totally. And the coupons are all listed out there usually. So yeah. you, can, you can be a savvy shopper. You can do all your, I mean, all my little quotients are fulfilled when I use the app. And yeah. you're right. I never have to talk to someone. It's a much better experience. And to your point. Now tell me what pizza tracker did you use when you used Domino's? Because they have the different themes. Did you change your theme? Yeah. Well, right now they have like a... Um, um, the dime um it's like a fundraiser uh, oh i haven't seen that one yeah yeah it's a fundraiser thing so kind of all of them went away but i use the island one it's like the parrot yeah it's like hey it's like an island hey good day man I your pizza's it. in the oven <laughs> yeah man i'm like yeah That's my kids great. love it they come over look at the parrot talking Rap, pizza's almost ready you know it's like so good but it's really i do love it and a lot of places now have sort of taken on a similar thing where i can go in and i know who's got it and when it's being delivered mm -hmm. and where it is in that stage of that process something i had no visibility into before and and then a human shows up and delivers me my food and we can have this human exchange it's like right. to me the the best combination of technology and human interaction in a local business level for sure and you can order starbucks without feeling like one of those coffee people that you know, I, I can get really precise, right? Like I can get the sugar-free vanilla, but instead of having four pumps of, apparently it's four pumps is by default, I can have two, you know, or three. But that way I'm not going up there ordering, yeah, can I get a, can I get a skinny mocha with uh, 105 degrees, you know, Fahrenheit, please? You know, you're just like, you just hit order and it, you, you show up. And a lot of people are doing that now where you don't even yeah. have to. Yeah, and they're showing up, and they're there, and their name is correct on their cup now, right? Oh, right, right. It's it's like Cassie. <laughs> Although I always thought that Starbucks was brilliant, that they actually had people misspell the names as a really interesting social marketing campaign because every really? post a picture of their name wrong. Have you ever had friends that do that? Right? I did that. Yeah. So this is this is Samantha's version of a conspiracy theory, which okay. is all about marketing, right? Yes, which good, is, good. I, I don't actually believe they created a campaign intentionally to do that. But I think it was this thing that happened that became Starbucks. I've never seen somebody in a non-Starbucks post a picture of their cup ever. But right. I have lots of people in my feed at least once a month, it used to be every week, that would post something with, you know, their name misspelled. I'm with you. That's it. That's, I mean, I, on the way home from the Super Bowl, someone gave me Cassie and I was like, okay, first I lose the Super Bowl. Second, <laughs> I get, I get Cassie on my cup and i sure enough posted a thing with a little right. frowny face like a little, little poor me face with my yeah. with my starbucks coffee right there on the screen probably you know reminding everyone else they should probably get some too man the free exposure that right. gets you and no one really cares like you're not really insulted no, it's funny in know? most cases people are like laughing right it's kind of yeah. a giggle what what happens there and um and it becomes a little bit of a game right i have one friend who name gets wrong all the time and his name is ken it's really not complex but it's wrong <laughs> yeah. almost all the time double and so n watch it and i you know and it was it's it's a playful fun thing and it did keep the brand in front of me even though i don't think that was certainly ken's intention wasn't trying to do that he just found something funny right so and, and i know these are kind of like retail-y type experiences but i, I it really i see the overall even for b2b like you're focusing human time where humans can be best and, and also human time, not doing human time when 
they don't want to talk to you. I mean, I remember listening into a sales phone call with clearly a not a lead who the first question they asked was, who are you again? And what do you do? Like they have no idea. You're interrupting them. You don't want to call them. They don't want to call you. Probably not a good time for a human to make a phone call, you know? Yep. Better time for technology in that situation. Absolutely. We have to let people sort of opt in. The other thing we have to recognize is that people are reaching out to us with technology, right? If, if they're using assistance, they're using scheduling software. Sure. They're, you know, when we want to schedule even a, like something as simple for a lot of B2B companies, people come and they want to see a demo of your product. Yeah. I want to, you know, just let me schedule it, right? I'm going to yep. send you a link, show when I'm available. Let me click on it, whatever it may be. There are um, simple things that allow us to do that. Go ahead, ask me some questions so that you're showing me the stuff that's relevant. I'll answer them for you. If something is really complex, sure, maybe I'll have to have a conversation with someone first. But don't take away the friction in that moment. If I'm interested in scheduling it now, why do I need to fill out a form and wait an hour for somebody to call me back. Um, right. Or maybe they call me back in 10 minutes, but I've stepped away from my desk now. And by the time we connect, it's two days later. And I don't remember why I wanted to see the demo in the first place anymore, right? right. Um, we can take all that friction out by using technology in intelligent ways. Yeah, I like the idea of you can even empower people, be transparent about it. You're like, look, hey, demo order form. When you're ready for it, what yeah. do you want to see? What do you not want to see? How long do you want to take? Five minutes, 20 minutes, what? an hour? How long do you want? Amazing. Yeah, Let's order up. How long they want to dedicate to it? We yeah. need to take an hour. You know, like I am Ooh. unwilling to give you an hour of my time yet. Maybe it'll turn into an hour, but maybe I want fifteen minutes. Let's just see if we're in the right ballpark before I invest an hour of time. Right? Yeah, you know, it reminds me. I I, I called Tesla recently. Um, I I read uh, e, uh, Elon's biography. Such a good book. I recommend it to uh, to you and everyone. Um, just inspiring. I even bought some stock after listening to the book because it was such a good book. And so I was like, yeah, let's, let's get in the cause here. Let's, you know, find out about solar and batteries and cars. I get all the things you want in one spot, right? So I fill out their lead form and I get a call from someone who faithfully tried to connect with me, eventually got me on the phone, was like, hey, do you have a couple minutes? Um, we can either show up at your house or you can talk to someone right now. You know, it's like they got me on the phone. Let's not schedule a time for the next person. Right. Like they're ready right now so we can drop them into this phone call. I'm like, okay, well, I only have like 15 minutes, but let's do this. They dropped the person right in. We had that sales qualification type call saying, hey, you got to get us your energy bill. We can help you figure out if it's worth it. They already looked at my house. But, so that guy had already looked at my house by the time we chatted. Um, it was pretty cool. But to your point, I was there. I was ready for it. I had the time, a little bit of time to invest. And they just, you know, took out the friction. Yeah, isn't that was I had a similar experience with a roof recently. I was redoing the roof at my lake house and I'm not okay. there all the time. So yeah. um, coordinating meetings and appointments and schedules, it's not an easy thing to happen for me right. just because of the distance of where it is. And now that summer's over, I'm there even less. Right. Um, I contact the resume, they use satellite imaging to figure out what it <laughs> yep. was. And we did they did end up sending somebody to sit down and, and meet with me because they had physical samples of the roofing material and I wanted something very specific and I didn't even check the color and digitally on my screen, I can't quite tell if the color is the same. And so there was value in the meeting, but before that meeting right. happened, they'd already done all the work they mm. needed to so that we can have a productive conversation. We can make a decision and we can, you know, sort of move on from there. Right. Um, and that is a different way of working. 
right? Yeah, it is. how we've always worked. Um, and we see examples of that in our consumer lives quite often, but our business lives also can operate that way. I was on a, uh, I was sitting in a call bank for, call banks are really the wrong word. There are a few people sitting around a desk making outbound calls at a client site. And I was sitting and listening. And there was this one call that came in and the person was asking really complex questions. The person who had made the call was not ready to answer. But right behind them was the services team. But instead of like putting the person on hold and going and grabbing Jane and saying, Jane, yeah. can you come answer this question? They're like, let me schedule an appointment. And the reason uh, they did that was because they were paid for appointments. They weren't right. paid for answering questions. And in theory, that sounds like the right thing to do. But in that moment, what well, the right thing to do was probably answering the specific question that person had, right. determine if they were willing. Because you know what? At the end of that call, that person didn't take an appointment. <laughs> um, oh, no. Right? Now, maybe they would have if we answered the question. Maybe they wouldn't. They might no. not have. True, true. But we lost the opportunity to answer that question directly. And of course, that person's a good salesperson. They're going to follow up. They'll send them information and do all of those things. But at the end of the day, this was a lost opportunity. Right. It reminds me of the, I don't know if it's a mantra out there, where people say, stop trying to make the buyer fit into your linear algorithmic funnel. Right. You know, like make the funnel loose enough so that they can do the things they need to do go forward, go back, do whatever they got to do so they can, you know, make that buying decision. Um, man, what a cool opportunity would be to say, Hey, you know, put it on speakerphone, get that person over there. You have a little call, right? But you know, it was so regimented that it didn't fit the, the formula or the incentivization. Yeah. Is we've got to fit where our customers are at any point in time. And I really believe when I have someone's attention, whatever interaction that may be in person, on the phone and an email, it's a gift to have that person's attention and it's my yeah. job to give them something in return yeah. for the gift they gave me of time. Totally. Um, and sometimes it's an answer to a question. Sometimes it's saying, Hey, we're not a good fit and letting them go. <laughs> in other cases, it's referring them to someone who might be able to help them. Um, but we sometimes forget how much of a gift those interactions are. And, and I think that um, we take for granted you know, sort of the rigidity of those interactions. Yeah, the best demos I've ever seen are ones that are like almost completely interactive and they're checking in, they're showing the highest value. Is this what you want? What yeah. do you want to see? And they're showing you what you want to see. If it takes 18 minutes, great. You know, not, yeah. not the ones where it's like you're watching a movie and it might as well be a recording. You might as well not even be there. And then that's when you're checking email. You know, those are the, that's how you check out is you're not even invested in this thing. So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And you know what, if you can show me in 10 minutes, the three things that I want to see, that's far better than sending <laughs> another 45. You, like we oversell, okay. right? Thank Once you. we've shown someone what they need, we can stop now. Yep. <laughs> right? yep. Instead of, we almost, I almost find something we try and talk people out of engaging with us because we try and shove all this thing, these things that feel relevant to us because we're afraid they've missed something. But if they're satisfied, let's let them sit in that satisfaction and enjoy totally. it. You know, one of, one of my old sales coaches, I, I did, I moonlight, I moonlit, I danced in the moonlight as a salesperson every now and then to get some, some learning and some context. And, you know, the, the phrase is always like, if, if you get a yes, like they want to buy, shut your mouth. Yeah. Stop talking. <laughs> okay. I want to buy this thing. Oh, you do. Well, that's great because X, Y, and Z. And it's like, yeah. doesn't matter. Stop it. Stop. 
<laughs> say awesome thank you yes here's how we place that order <laughs> the order form or whatever the heck like yeah. great send the sow whatever it is just stop talking you're yeah. right though we we can oversell we can undersell we can oversell it's just about you know really thinking about the buyer but i wanted to ask you so you have you're flying everywhere. Your arms must be really strong. And your feathers. Yeah, you must would be think, right? Be able to, yes. yeah. Your feathers. Your, your fine, coarse feathers ready for flight. <laughs> um, it's like a falcon. Oh, falcon. Nice. Is that your, your spirit travel animal? Everyone needs a travel animal spirit, you know? Yeah, I'll have to give some thought whether that's the right one I want to commit to or not. But for yeah. now, we can we can use that. You know, ostrich. I mean, they're fast, but only on land. You know, <laughs> they're sort of goofy looking. I'm not sure they I want are. to go with ostrich. Emu. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so was it New York? I mean, you were just presenting, talking about AI and marketing. I think was that how how yeah, did it go? I was actually just in New York um, this week talking about artificial intelligence and its impact and how we have conversations in marketing. Okay. Um, and what it, what it means for those interactions and what it means for how we approach trust and scalability and marketing as we move forward. Okay. I want to hear about that, but can we level set? Everyone uses this term called AI and it drives me bonkers because it's not like Skynet. It's not like <laughs> artificial intelligence. One of those movies, Robin Williams or whoever it might be where it's like, hello, I'm Casey. I'm AI. AI, you know, it's like, what is it? Augmented <laughs> it intelligence, mean, right? or yeah, can we? I mean, it's not T Terminator Two coming to get us and then doing our marketing program at the same time, or, or is it? So it's not Terminator Two coming to get us, but there is some um, some truth to the doing the program for us. Certain pieces of the program. Okay. So what art? I like to think of it in a very simple, sort of non-technical way of looking at the world. Yeah. Please. So uh, the way marketing has been done for decades and the technology that we use has been rule-based automation. Basically, we go into a software and we tell it what we want to do under certain circumstances. So we tell it things like, if Casey comes to my website and fills out this form, send them, send Casey this document and then put Casey in a nurture program that has these three steps and, and send it on the merry way. Right. Right? Like that's rule-based automation, right? And that has been highly valuable and something we use a lot of. Artificial intelligence is something distinctly different than that. So hmm. what artificial intelligence is, is it actually doesn't require the rules. So you may put business constraints around it to start, but the technology actually learns. So in that same example, you might've come to a form and we might've had a rule that said, Casey comes and fills out this form, send Casey this document because that's what we promised in the form, but put him in a nurturing program. <laughs> and we don't tell you what, we, they don't put a rule that says it's this nurturing program with these three steps. We actually let the system decide hmm. based on looking at other people like Casey, maybe data it has about you, right? It will learn over yeah. time and adapt. It will look at things that you participate in and what you don't, and it will adjust for other Casey's in the future or for yourself should you come back and visit again. That That's cool. the difference. Yeah. Rule-based automation and artificial intelligence. It does in fact learn and it makes decisions and does things at a scale that humans simply can't do, right? We, we can't process that information in real time, like in sub-second um, moments, hmm. 
to be able to make those kinds of decisions and do those kinds of things. And at its heart, that's what um, artificial intelligence. Now you'll see a lot of people talk about something called machine learning. Yeah. Um, and just to avoid confusion, machine learning is a part of artificial intelligence. Okay. So it's a component, it is in software, developing the mechanism so it can learn things. Um, but it, you know, the, the two terms are not quite synonymous, but people use them as if they are. So if somebody right. says we have a machine learning system or we have, they're probably saying the same thing. Um, oh. And the truth is in the worlds that we live in today, there isn't a lot of purest artificial intelligence out there. There's a lot of machine learning happening and a lot of um, growth and opportunity and integration of machines and humans that are happening. So it's like it's we're on the cusp of this, but it, I like the idea of that. I wonder, is that even maybe an answer to multi-touch tracking? We're trying to figure out which touch is actually valuable. However you slice and dice it as a human, you're like, ah, I don't know. It's so directional. There's so many data points. It's such big data. But if you had you know, your computer looking and monitoring and saying, well, this drip, this drip campaign works really well for these kind of people and not for these kind of people. The amount of segmentation less you'd have to have to be able to even, you know, get to the level of detail would be crazy. But this is, this is cool. This makes it more and more relevant to the person, to the buyer, you know, yeah, without it needing makes to, it more to do it. That's relevant cool. Completely. And the reality is that when we do segmentation the way we do it today, it is better than not doing it at all. So there's True. nothing wrong with segmentation. It adds value. True. Um, and it gives us creative direction. It gives us some parameters around writing copy and picking images and things. But it basically forces us into a situation where we, for practical purposes, have to think of you as a single thing, right? So right. You, there's an attribute about your interaction with us that overrides everything else. And that huh. puts you in this segment of things. So um, I'll give you just a simple example of that. We often have um, communication nurture streams by the role of a person in a company. Right. Right. If they're totally. the IT person versus the marketing person versus a finance person. That is an important attribute, but it isn't everything about you that might Huge. inform you what you're interested in. It may, in fact, be that you're like me who happens to be, I am not an engineer, but I study artificial intelligence. And so I want some technical things to read and learn about. But if you only look at, I'm the founder of the marketing advisory network, you're going to miss that opportunity. Yeah. They're not going to think you're a techie. Right. They're yeah, not. Yeah, and I'm yeah. not, I couldn't write a line of code to save my life. Right. Like <laughs> that isn't going to happen, but that doesn't mean there aren't things that are, um, I want to deeply dig into and try and understand. And so right. the way we do automation and segmentation forces us to create these sort of artificial buckets we put people in and there's technology that it can allow us to break, through that and focus our attention on um, what might be best suited for that individual person, independent of a specific attribute. I like that. It, you know, we, we've talked a lot about obviously knowing your buyer and, you know, with the people that early on aren't, aren't doing any segmentation. Well, you're wrong. Let's fix that. But that next step might be like, well, we know their title, which I probably hate. We know, we know their role, or maybe we know their industry, which is to your point, a starting point. But but this this can go even beyond that. Now, my question to you is, does this blow up some of the work into like buyer personas? You you know, you got a couple buyer personas, but then now you throw AI at it. Does that how does you that know, I, I think those compliments qualitative research has a role even in a yeah. data driven world because a data driven world and it will tell us what is happening. 
Mm -hmm. and but doesn't always tell us why. And we still need to understand the why so like we can that. create compelling copies, so we can create an emotional connection to you. Yeah. So I still believe that qualitative research plays a really important role. We've got to start with hypotheses. We have to begin somewhere. And unless we do that with these conversations and talking to people, um, it we miss something really, really big and important. Where artificial intelligence allows us to then do is to scale that across large, you know, whatever we learned, now I can serve that to a hundred people, a thousand people maybe right. manually. But what happens if I want to serve 10,000 people or a hundred thousand people? I can't manually go through that list and, and decide where people belong. Let's let technology do that. Right. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I, I like that. The, the quantitative, it's like what happened? The qualitative is like, why did it happen? Right. And, you know, and a good reminder is that, you know, the, even the best AI needs good data in, you know, good data in, good data out, hopefully. As a, but if you put bad stuff in, what's it going to chew on? You know, if you don't really know much about your buyer and you're guessing, it's not going to magically solve all your, your problems, but it can help you. It can really take it to the next step. And so if you can do that buyer research and have those conversations and can really inform you, you can probably feed some parameters into AI so that it's listening for different types of conversations and knowing that there are marketers who do like technology. I mean, both of us, we're, we love the tech side um, and we're marketers. We love the people side too. So having the system be like on alert for those things makes sense. Yeah. And you know, I'll give you a really simple example with chatbots, right? So yeah, chatbots okay. are a really good example of artificial intelligence that's readily available today to yep. most organizations, right? Totally. Not, you know, there's some costs associated with it, but you can use it in messaging and Facebook, all kinds of things that are relatively cost effective. Totally. Yep. But you have to train it and you have to <laughs> give it some parameters in, by which to work. Right. And so um, it's, if I don't understand my audience, then I have nothing to start from and my chatbot is like completely guessing, right? And right. then I have to have the chatbot interact with thousands of people before it can make decisions that make any sense. Yeah. But what if I could, you know, get it started right away and then it can refine over time. And what we want to do, that qualitative research gets started right away. It gives us a basis by which to make decisions about our brand, about our copy, about our imagery, about our tone. And then it can be refined for specific audiences. And this can be a highly sensitive issue. I don't know if you saw Netflix was in the news recently. No, what happened? So Netflix, who is well known for its personalization, right? It creates these yeah. very um, diverse menus of things. Netflix started promoting movies by changing the images and what characters it promoted based on um, your gender or race. Mm. And so they made a movie where if the secondary characters were um, African-American. Oh, snap. You can't do that, right? That gets really people And it was really controversial, right? In right. theory, this is just personalization, but it's True. not, right? Personalization True. is not taking a false indicator and a false thing. Personalization would be things that are, if this content was something that I'd be interested in because of who I am, present right. that, not modify the content marketing and attributes to make it appeal to people where it might not, based on what someone's surface demographics are. So it was creepy and it was weird and it was highly ineffective because it wasn't what personalization is really at its core about. It was actually more like the old segmentation that we have 
done in the past as opposed to actual personalization. It fell into this trap uh, of picking up because you're a woman or a man, you're going to like this. Or because you're, you're an African-American or Hispanic or Caucasian, you're going to like this, right? Where we're much more complex beings than that. And um, we have an obligation to use the technology in, in other ways. Now, in fairness, I should just, you know, Netflix didn't back off of this. Netflix, you know, sort of went on the record saying they aren't uh, tracking um, someone's race overtly and that they don't think the system did anything wrong. Um, so I'll let viewers and listeners make a huh. decision about where they fall with that. But from my perspective, it was the it was actually symptomatic of the kind of segmentation we typically do and why that fails because it failed to actually right. take into account who we, who I truly am and what right. kind of content I want to consume. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like that. Uh, so they don't know, do they, do they know races and genders? I, I, they do know they genders do because know. the icons show either if it's an egg, you know, like a no, no, no picture, it shows yeah. like a girl icon or a boy icon. So you can make, it makes assumptions, I'm Does sure, it? in the system somewhere based on the name you put in and you can pick whether you're man, but I, I could be a woman and I could pick a man's icon. It's, you could, you know, it's, um, so if you go up and read with this, they, they, they have, it's limited in what they do, but at the end of the day, the net result was it changed content, imagery, and characters that it promoted based on someone's gender or race. Whether it was right. intentional or not, that's what happened. And, um, and there was, in my opinion, rightly so, frustration with that and concern about that right. being um, sort of misleading in what it was presenting to its viewers right. and attaching to things that were, in fact, not direct signals about what content might be relevant for me to watch because it was just looking at one piece of me. It wasn't looking at all the other pieces of me right. that are also equally relevant. It's, it's a little service. I, I get that it might be a directionally beneficial guys typically like guys things, but there's all sorts of flavors of everybody to the point where, you know what? I, I, I even, I'll give you another cons conspiracy. I, I wonder why it isn't better. Come on, you're friggin' Netflix. You you should be showing me. I should be binging twenty four seven because I don't. But here's my conspiracy. Just like the gym, I think it's like Best Fitness. They have pizza there on Mondays. Why? So people <laughs> don't come because if you come, you know you're gonna eat pizza and it's gonna be not healthy for you. So you because they don't want you to use all the facilities, right? Because oh, they want that's you, an interesting. They thing. want your subscription, but they don't need you to be there because if everyone that paid was there there wouldn't be enough room for everyone so the idea is keep your subscription you're doing the right thing but don't come so i wonder if netflix isn't like let's show you a couple things but then let's sh show you a bunch of garbage that you're not going to necessarily watch but every you know harvest moon we're going to show you something you really like so you're like yeah i gotta keep netflix yeah. you know yeah you know that's interesting i'll be sure I, you know i will say from my perspective i there are um several of us in the household each have our own uh, accounts when you pull up the feeds they are dramatically different from one person to the yeah. other and they generally are pretty good at okay pulling out things that are of interest and relevant but one of the things that's dangerous with artificial intelligence and i think um, Netflix does a reasonable job on average about dealing with is something called confirmation bias. And mm. this is something even in our marketing automation systems, we as marketers have to be aware of. 
what confirmation bias is, is I know you like something. So I only always show you that thing that I know you like. Right. So I, maybe it's in um, a music subscription. I know you like the Ramones and Green Day and Eric Clapton. So I'm going to show you only things that sound like Eric Clapton, Ramones and Green Day. The problem is I do like those things. There's nothing wrong with that, but I like a lot of other things. And you're missing the opportunity to connect with me about all these other things. So if my interests shift, if I get bored, um, it it does that. So whether it's manual rule-based automation or it's artificial intelligence, we have to let the systems be smart enough and and ourselves and our processes we build to avoid confirmation bias. And that's why in Netflix, you'll see things sometimes up in your feed that don't appear to make sense. And they're testing for, if I throw something out there that's different, how do you react to that? Because we know we don't know your whole being. We only know how you've interacted with Netflix before. Right. That we want to continue to make sure you subscribe and interact with Netflix forever. And that means we have to try these things. And sometimes we get it right. And sometimes it just feels like this weird thing. And they base it on, popularity of the, I mean, they base it right. on a whole bunch of things to try and make that process intelligent. Right. But um, it is an important component of what happens when we use these technologies. And we have to make sure we avoid that. And I see that happen a lot in our nurture streams. Gosh, they like email and they like, uh, they care about email security. So I'm just going to send them emails about email security over and over and over and over yeah, and over true. and over again. Yeah. And at some point, you might saturate that person when in fact they do care about that or they used to <laughs> and now they care <laughs> about 13 other things and they stop reading us because we only sent them the same thing over and over and over again right yeah you know some of the best campaigns have been like cross sells and upsells to existing customers let me yeah. show you something you have no like just just see what happens yeah. choose your own adventure do you want to see any more of this stuff or not um yeah. i wish netflix did a little more of that even because you know, show me something I don't know. That's why I like, you know, like fly on a Delta, you know, flight. You got one of those little, little mo- screens. You can watch some free movies. I'll, like, uh, I'll try something out. I actually yeah. like some foreign films like, you know, Korean or Japanese or the different cultures and different languages. I can roll with subtitles and I dig it. Though I will say the Koreans are a little dark with the movies. At least on <laughs> Delta. They've got some pretty heavy, heavy content. I had to shut one off because I was like, I'm going on vacation. I don't need to be watching this thing, but, um, but yeah, I love just exploring different cultures that way. So yeah, like in- including enough flexibility, whether you're a Netflix or you're a nurture campaign to, to adapt and avoid that confirmation bias. It makes a lot of sense. You know, I think I'll add one other thing that's really dangerous about that is allowing a kid to get into your profile on Netflix because the number of pony Rainbow Pony and Mermaidia that appears on my feed is crazy. You know, it's really funny that you should say that. My husband, um, we had house guests that stayed with us a couple years ago that had a little um, young children. Sure. And I wasn't paying attention to what account we were logged in. And I was <laughs> putting minions on for them to watch when it was uh, bedtime. <laughs> they had like a big air mattress and I put it on for them. And from then on, you know, my husband for a long time had like the minion stuff pop up. And, um, and we giggled. And then when my children realized how much it annoyed my husband that that happened, every once in a while, oh, I would no. into his account and watch something odd just so it would continue to appear in his, uh, in his feet. But yeah, I mean, Amazon has the same problem, right? I shop for my household in my Amazon account. Right. So um, it's, I sometimes buy guitar picks. They're certainly not for me. I don't play the guitar. 
Um, and other times I buy um, things that are specifically for me. And it's hard for the system, you know, the system doesn't really have a way of knowing that I'm shopping for me or shopping for someone else. But right. artificial intelligence over time with enough data starts to get good at understanding that. But it takes a lot of data to be able to make those kinds of distinctions, especially environments where you have sort of single profile serving lots of different people across a household or across, you know, even a business. Totally. Yeah, you can't share those Amazon screen names anymore. You know, those accounts. Right. Thank goodness they added family accounts because I don't need all the stuff from the misses, all the, you know. <laughs> cutesy things and the stuff for the kids popping up like ah get out of here you yeah. know <laughs> i once allowed my husband to log into facebook to look up something in my computer and the ads that then oh, afterwards were not my cup of tea so i've now since banned my husband from uh, <laughs> yep. doing any searches in my facebook feed <laughs> yeah i can imagine he just throws the whole thing off like crazy yeah um so you mentioned chatbots earlier Take us back, you know, obviously Drift, great, great dudes, um, yeah. a lot of other apps out there too. I mean, is it just a chat bot or chat box or how, how much do you see AI really coming to play in that? Are we just programming nurtures, but in, in chat or what do you, how do you see that all shaking up and what's the future of it, you think? So I think most cases, people today are mostly doing rule-based, you know, sort of chat streams, this person is here, but over time, these things are listening and learning. And if we let ourselves allow it to have some freedom, we'll actually see some, um, some changes huh. over time, especially really for particularly for repeat visitors when they come back to their site over again. Right. Um, and people are using them in a lot of, and so if somebody comes to the site from ABC company, right? Yeah. And they come, oh, I'm gonna present, oh, yeah. right? I'm gonna ask a question in Drift that's different than if they come from the Marketing Advisory Network. And right. then it sort of triggers those those things. So right now, most of those chatbots are not super intelligent, but they have the capability to be. And if we let them learn, and then we um, put in place things that allow you to know when does a human need to be triggered, right? When do I need to bring in a human in a conversation? I'll, I'll give you an example of a software application. It's not chatbots, but it's for call centers. So um, it's, I think it's called Nexmo. I might have the name wrong, but um, what it does is um, it's a human talking to a human on the phone, like we've all done a million times, right? Um, but what the software is doing, it's listening to the conversation and it's picking up on cues in the person's speaking yeah. that the, you know, really intuitive humans would pick up, but most people who work in a call center or most humans would, might not notice. <laughs> no. All changes in tone of voice and pacing. Really? In the words that are being chosen and it's, it, it, it knows they're likely to be frustrated or not. And it then cues based on what it's listening in the conversation, it cues the call center person to do some a script, make an offer, change your tone of voice, slow down, speed up, do whatever those things are. Right. And over time, it's now listening to thousands and thousands of conversations. So it actually gets better at better at the prompting because for each of those interactions that's happening, it's learning how did that out, what happened in that outcome and and what happened there and so that's a really good example of the potential for artificial intelligence to elevate human interactions um and it and learn over time how to get better and better and better at doing it that's cool it's almost you know a little like a 
robot overlord for that call center. But at the same time, it's learning, okay, are these people happy? Are they sad? I like to think of it more as a robot coach than an overlord. Okay. Uh, I'm not shock you if you get it wrong, but it is that ability. <laughs> it's like having your supervisor listen in on your com every conversation. Sure. Sure. But not have your super you, you your supervisor can't listen into every conversation every and every time That's and true. and it really does play that role of um and and helping you improve those inner interactions now role based automation said if you call like most eight hundred numbers and things and you start to swear at um at the automated system if you press one press two you know blah 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 or you're on the call with somebody you swear, <laughs> you most of them automatically will escalate you to a management trigger but that's a rule it says if somebody uses these six words right they're really pissed off and let's escalate them what that's are those words Samantha? right <laughs> i don't know this from personal experience sure um i will say i try not to curse um yeah. on calls with people but um, but that's the difference between a rule and the potential for artificial intelligence. Interesting. You know, it reminds me of Citizens Bank, who has the worst telephone thing I've used in a long time. And it's like, enter this number or or nothing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't have this freaking number, people. And uh, yeah, and no way I around I had a it. recent negative exchange with them, unfortunately. Um, they had an outage. I'm not sure if you were aware of it, but their yeah. online banking system went down. And their communication on it, I, I was really poor. I was really disappointed. It was not a good example. Yeah. Um, and I actually found a workaround on my own. When I changed browsers, I was able to get into my account. No, I had to keep changing browsers because like the third time that I would log in and that browser would no longer work and I had to switch. Right. But why weren't the company communicating that workaround to people to at least get them through that day, that moment, that frustration. And it's not because the people that I was interacting with, they're evil and just want to torture me. Yeah. I'm sure they didn't know that, but <laughs> I'm not that smart. If I could figure that out, I'm pretty sure someone else figured it <laughs> yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, um, and there are ways for us to use technology. They could have proactively communicated to their entire people who were affected, sure. proactive updates, instead of having people re respond when I called in. There are ways that, you know, an intelligent system can help broker very difficult times. Like it was a difficult time, the system went down. I don't like that it happened. I don't really fault them for that. What I fault them for was the poor communication during this outage that they, yeah were not proactive in communicating to me and gave me zero confidence that things were being addressed and give me any hope of when they might be resolved. We can control that communication if we use our technology intelligently. Totally. Totally. You know, one of the other crazy things, you know, just the beat up, yeah, beat up citizens session today. Uh, the, I got a couple calls from them that were like password phishing calls where they would say, Hey, this is citizens bank. Um, we need to talk to you about something that happened to your account. Can you please confirm your account details? Can you confirm your yeah, Was that a real call and not somebody fam? It was a real call. And I was like, wait, wait a second. I don't feel, you're not supposed to call me and ask me that. How do I know you're, you're you and wow. not somebody else? I don't know. They're like, well, here's a number you can call. And so I end up calling cit actual citizens number and they get routed back to them and it, and it was real. But I'm like, this is, you can, you shouldn't do wow. that. It, Anyone that goes with it is like getting set up for, you know, someone else could call them like, Hey, let me find out the four things I need to be able to confirm that I'm part of your account. You know, it's so crazy. Yeah. 
But yeah, um, that sounds yeah. Um, really uncomfortable and um, not the ideal situation for sure. There was a really cool video. I don't know if you saw this um, guy named Andrew Davis put it out on LinkedIn. Uh, Love he, Andrew. His stuff is dude, phenomenal. Yeah. He has this uh, unsolicited advice he had. And, That's uh, great. They're great stuff. The one I, the one I was seeing, it was, it was um, a letter to Comcast. And I didn't see that one in particular. That one? You got to see it. that one. Um, it was, he basically told the, the chief of their service, <laughs> poor guy, um, chief of the service, tell your people to stop, like, stop scripting the I'm sorry, right? Okay. Stop scripting the apology because like fake empathy is not empathy. It's Doesn't like, that, like push your buttons. Condescension, you know? Right? Oh, I, yeah. I can't stand that more than anything. You know, I'm people sorry. make mistakes and I can survive with that, but don't pretend you can, like just some sincerity, some empathy yeah. is so important. Yeah. I have not seen that one, but I love Andrew Davis and he does some wonderful, wonderful stuff. So yeah, he's a cool guy. Uh, yeah. So that just, you know, it's that, that kind of, we can do it wrong as people. So take those lessons. And then when using technology to do that, don't, don't repeat the same mistakes as a person, you know, improve it before you get into that automated fashion. So this is cool. It's all about the future. Is there anything we haven't talked about? We've talked about chatbots. We've talked about, um, I mean, AI, everything really. Now, yeah. Is this what's brewing? Is this the hit list you think to keep our eyes open for 2019? What should we be on the lookout for? I mean, certainly I think it's important and I think we have to do it. The other thing that I would say is that, you know, marketers have become a little um, enamored with chasing shiny objects and we sort of jump to technology and a lot of the technology we buy is not used. And part of that is we sort of say, well, I'm going to create an ROI and then I'm done. And the truth is I can create an ROI, but still only use a very small portion of what's available to me. I think we have to stop doing that. We have to really put it in the context of a marketing strategy. You still need a marketing strategy. I still need to underwear what I'm trying right. to achieve. Still I need still need to have all of this stuff be layered up. And technology doesn't take away the need to do any of that. If anything, it makes it um, more costly when we don't. Right? <laughs> yeah. uh, because we, uh, so I, I think, you know, as we're looking towards our 2019 planning, what we, the very first thing we have to do is take that step back. What are we trying to achieve as a business? Who are the customers that we serve today? Who do we want to be serving tomorrow? It may be the same people. It may be different people, right? What do I have to offer them today? What might I have to offer them in the future, right? Um, what is my current tech stack that I can leverage and use? What's the content um, that I currently have in place? What is going to appeal to my audience? And right. we have to do all of that before we say, I need, you know, I don't advise anybody who wants to say, I need an AI strategy. No, you need a marketing strategy. And then you're yeah. going to look for things that are going to potentially enable that. Um, but beware of the fact that everybody's saying I'm AI, everybody's saying I'm machine learning and um, start with what you're trying to achieve and then let people convince you that their software, their product can actually help you or not and make, make those decisions. I do think that there's a big shift in that's coming in email. And let me be really clear. Email is not dead. Email is not going away. If you Thank believe you. that, you are wrong. Um, yes, agreed. Um, and I, I believe that wholeheartedly. However, I hope there is a depth of a lot of the email that we do today. <laughs> the vast majority of the email we do today is um, unfocused, unsegmented, mm -hmm. low-value add, blast-oriented approaches, which is wildly ineffective. And 
we need to get back to thinking about our interactions with our customers in much more um, individualized and personalized ways. We need to, as marketers to leverage our sales team to help us achieve that. Marketers can create templates. We can do some overview, awareness building things. But if I want to build one-to-one -one relationships, my sales team has to be part of that process. And that means sure. they need to have skills they probably don't have today. Right. Mm, we hire yeah. salespeople because they dial, 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 right? phones, and they talk and many, most of the time they're good at conversation. Right. They also need to be good writers. They need to be good researchers. They need to mm. understand and learn about the people that they're reaching out to on an individual basis to connect with them. They need to be aware of where that person is in their particular journey, not the process that are, you know, the, the buyer's process is not our sales process. We sometimes internally, I see us making this comparison that's not fair. What's your buyer's journey? Well, we talk to them and then we do a demo and then we send them a proposal. No, no, that's not the buyer's process. That's, that's your, your sales process. <laughs> yeah. um, it was important, but it's not a replacement and it's not the same thing. So we need to, um, as we're doing our plans, not jump to the future. We need to go back to the basics of what we're trying to achieve, for whom, what's available to us, and then start to seek out ways that technology can help us do that. And I think that's what 2019 planning is all about. Um, I hope someday to come back and say that we've gotten past that. That's just like standard operating procedure and we all do it. Um, I don't know that that will happen in my lifetime. I can tell you it's certainly not happening right now. Mm -hmm. It's such an important point. Uh, a couple things actually you said. One, don't confuse the buyer's journey with your sales process. Yeah. Two different things. Ideally, you're walking along with them on their journey, on their path, but sometimes the paths divide here, people. So like go with, go on their trail. Um, so, okay, that's separate. And then I will also, tell you just as an aside to that, um, that I think is really relevant. One of the things that is a challenge for us as marketers and salespeople is we only know the interactions they're having with us, but there's yeah. so much else. There is some real, if you're going to make one technology investment in 2019, the tech, and you don't have it today, you need to go get third party insight into what people are doing through like review sites like Trust Radius or G2, huh. through sites like um, Bombaro or Tech Target or Aberdeen or others, where you have access to what is being searched and what is being consumed outside your properties. Because that yeah. is the only way we actually understand the full buyer's journey is if we do that. That's a good point. It doesn't all in involve you. So the picture you have of it isn't the full picture. Yeah. And I, that's the, like the second time in a, in a couple of days I've heard that, you know, just that third party, the intent data, the, you know, yeah. this, what, what are they doing? What activities are they doing outside of in your little yard? Um, understanding that because that's the full picture of how they're yeah. shopping. And sometimes it's with this individual people you're talking to and other times you know what's interacting with the person but there's six other people in the company doing other things and yeah. they don't have visibility to so how do you know what's happening there and that information is incredibly powerful at um and better and sometimes you know, you're gonna go buy a service that's gonna give it to you sometimes you can't afford to or services don't provide you the information that you need for your business and so you should partner with people right that's yeah. what partnerships are really about. You should um, do more investigative work and more research work at the sales team level. There are ways to do this that are expensive and there are ways to do this that are just hard work. Um, hmm. but you need to find ways to do it. Right, right. You can't just leave that alone. 
Yeah. That's important part of the research, important part of the journey, leaving, uh, leaving it out. The other part I had here was, um, oh, what kind of AI strategy should I have? Well, start with your marketing strategy. And it's like that, I don't know if it's a train or a triangle, but it's the idea of like strategy, process, technology. People go the opposite, like, oh, tech. They're like, uh, what's my strategy to use this tech? It's like, no, no, what was your strategy? Oh, you know, I love that you, it's like, what are my goals? Who are my customers? What do I have to offer them? What's my current tech stack? You're thinking about your strategy first and then what kind of technology can I drop into that? I mean, that's so, that's so key to go in that direction. You have to do that. Um, if we don't do that, we, um, we have, you know, at best you have something that um, isn't as efficient as it could be. Right. And at its worst, you've spent a lot of money and time and energy using something that doesn't affect the business in the way you had hoped it would. Right. Um, so we can't, we can't, and it's easy to get excited. You go and see a presentation, somebody calls yeah. you, you meet someone they're like, oh, this is great. How am I going to use Drift, right? Like, that's awesome. Or how am I going to use Terminus? Or how am I going to use Bombardo or any of these other right. things? But when we start in that direction, we, we never optimize it. We've got to understand what we're trying to do and then layer in those things to help us. And they're highly valuable, right? They're very useful. I have a client, for example, that just turned on uh, drift a, a, about a week ago and they've already secured, secured meetings. Now, some of those meetings might have happened beforehand, but certainly not all of them because we know how many meetings on average they were setting before, right? right? It's been a very useful tool for them, but they thought a lot about what was the content they were going to use, what pages they're going to put it on, will, you know, what was their strategy of who they were focused on. We rolled out an ABM program before we turned on the tech. That had wow. to happen first, Yep. right? Otherwise, people would just be another tool that had nothing behind it to bolster it. Yeah, like a patchwork quilt. It's all just sort of disjointed yeah. and everything like that. So, yes. you know, one of the things I wanted to do was I wanted to bring up your book because I think, and I know we've talked a little bit about the work you put into it and the different examples. You really thought about the West, the the rest, the best way to teach this stuff. Um, and how's it going? Have you been you see in the numbers, the reviews on Amazon, or, I mean, this is, this is, and we're going to link to it again on this episode. I mean, unleash possible. There's so many things that are possible, but you, you have stories throughout it. And I mean, it's like a model. I'm trying to write my own book and it's like, it's just a beautiful model of this. I don't even think I'm going to even like feel half the shoe, but it's like <laughs> beautiful. Sure it's, it's such a good, it's such a good book. How's it going? Thank you. Well, you know, I just celebrated the second anniversary of the book, our really? cotton anniversary, as I'm told, which cotton. we celebrated with cotton candy because that oh, was sweet. more fitting my personality. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for, and so happy that to this day, every week a reader reaches out to me and really? has a question or a comment or telling me how they're using the book. And that is all that I, I could hope for. So, um, you know, I encourage people to write reviews. Not all of them do, and that's fine. The, the, but the people who reach out and, and talk with me, and just yesterday I talked to a gentleman who is going to use it as the foundation for their marketing planning for 2019. Awesome. And he doesn't get better than that. That's amazing. And so yeah. I, um, I feel very grateful that I have readers, and those readers are using what's in the book. It was the intention and the spirit of it. And even a couple years later, um, I don't, you know, I went through it the other day thinking, hmm, I wonder how outdated things are. I did write it two years ago, 
but there's almost nothing I would change. I mean, sure, I could put more fresh examples in sure. and I could update it, but the truth is the foundation, the principles that are in there are as true today as they were a couple of years ago. Um, and the readers who are reaching out to me prove that, that right. that is the case. So I'm, I'm very lucky and very fortunate that I get to do that and I get to have uh, people read it. I work, use these principles with all of my clients all the time. Right. Uh, I get to do workshops with people about the things that are, that are in it. And um, I'm, I'm just very fortunate and very lucky that I could have an impact with, in this way. Right. I mean, I, that must be so cool getting those emails and just like, thank you. Or what do you mean by this? Or just the fact that they've read it, you know, sometimes we have books and shelves we don't read. This is one of those ones you want to read. And, uh, and by the way, the stories are timeless. It, it's, it reads like a Harvard business, you know, like a, a case study example. You're just like, Oh yeah, here's a company X and here's what you can learn from it. Um, it just, so, there's, but there's so much to it. So I'm glad that you mentioned that he was creating a plan out of it because there's no way you can do all of it in a week or a month. I mean, this is like, what are we going to do next year? Let's, let's attack. Oh, I wonder if you could even do like a chapter a month, you know, let's attack this. Oh, and, that would be really great. This, I would know? love that. I think there are 12 chapters. Um, so, uh, maybe there's more. I or 12 steps. Is it a 12 <laughs> step program? A 12 step program? <laughs> hey, if that works for you, I'm all, I'm all for it. So, totally. Yeah. I, I feel really lucky that that happens and I'm very grateful that people are using it in that way. And I yeah. will tell you, you know, there's nothing better than waking up and seeing a communication, whether it's a LinkedIn email, which is a lot of ways I get it, or a regular email. I rarely get inbound phone calls, although feel free to do that if people want to. I encourage people to reach out. I think people are afraid to reach out to authors and speakers, and mm. they think somehow they're, um, don't be afraid. There's nothing better. Like, ask me questions. Like, if you ask me questions, that means you read it, and they're trying to apply yeah. it to your job, and that is the best reward possible for for the book. So I get many of those and I hope to continue to get many of them more um, as more and more people have an opportunity to use it for their own practice. For sure. Your cotton anniversary and then <laughs> all know, the other ones right? <laughs> with a free voucher for cotton candy and all future book sales. <laughs> like, Wouldn't that uh, be fun? I would buy more fun. copies of my book if each one came with cotton candy. <laughs> the crazy ideas that happen on this show, you and I start chatting, you know, for sure. A little insert. Hey, if you rate us on Amazon, we'll send you cotton candy. Ciao. I did send um, to the people, the way I had done the Ford was actually unusual. I had three people write a Ford. One was a, a, a venture capitalist, one was a mm. CEO, which was a CMO. And I did that intentionally to sort of think about marketing from all those oh, angles. Wow. And then I, of course, I had a very idea. talented editor. And I did send them all uh, a cotton uh, candy martini glass with like the special little cotton candy that's meant to be in the in a little cocktail. Yes. So that was our way of celebrating. Um, and I'll tell you, when I published it, I did not think it would have uh, two years of durability in it. Not because the, the content wouldn't have been able to, but I just figured people sort of move on. And it has not been the case. Um, and I'm, I'm so happy. And there's so many wonderful books that I read um, every day. I just finished reading... Um, Break the Wheel from Jay Akunzo, um, oh, which is a really um, great book about, um, you know, not falling to prey of best practices, but um, thinking about the advice that you get in the world and how does it apply to you and your business. And right. it was a great thought starter. Um, that was the most recent one that I just finished, but I just finished, to have um, all kinds of things. What's that? I just finished one called uh, Will Willpower Doesn't Work. Interesting. Yeah. And um, the, the nut of it all was that we don't give enough credit to environment. 
you can have a positive attitude. You can say, I want to get this done. You can set a goal for yourself. But if you want to lose weight and you still have that bowl of candy right in front of you on your desk, your, your environment, what it does is if you don't change it, it'll slowly pull you back to status quo to however you created it in the first place. And so it's all this idea. sort of, and one thing was like, how many clothes do you have in your closet that you haven't worn in like years? Or ha and I had these shirts, I had dress shirts from the 2000s, which sounds old. 2000s, I'm like, I don't even like that shirt anymore. I don't think I'll even ever wear that shirt anymore. It's not cool anymore. Like, I just don't like it. I get rid of half my closet and it feels so much, I have all these hangers up there now because it's like, it, so it's talking about like your environment and how do you set it up and it's almost like hacking it. So that even if you're, you don't have the willpower to resist that candy, there's nothing to eat around you. So you're good, you know? So not I just the, like for working out, but everything, setting things up. And, and there was even, uh, there's a guy named Dave Goggins. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's like a, mm -hmm. a Navy SEAL, but there was a, I think I was listening to a podcast where someone had basically asked if he would come, this like Navy SEAL superstar would come and live with him at his home and, and help, you know, and like work out with him. And the guy was like, you're crazy enough to ask. I'm crazy enough to do it. <laughs> so he had a Navy SEAL living with him, waking um, him up in the morning. Like he's sleeping in bed with his wife. And he gets a, hey, get up, you know, get up um, from guys in his room. So he has to get up and, and he can't help work out with this guy all the time because he created the environment that had someone there working with him. So it was, it was that is really a great story. I'm not sure I would want a Navy SEAL coming in and waking me up in the morning, but I uh, appreciate <laughs> the, I think that's a really interesting constant environment. And I think right. um, that applies to marketing in a lot of ways, right? And our customers and understanding what their environment is and how they work. And I can't tell you, I spoke with um, a bunch of product marketers in an event a few weeks ago and I asked what I thought was going to be a question that a lot of people raised their hand was, when was the last time you were on site at a customer right. and observed them at work? Not that you talked to them on the phone, not that you was, almost no hands went up. We don't mm -hmm. watch our customers in their actual work environment, but you learn so much when you do about not, not about their day-to-day -day job that they can talk to you about, but the context by which it yeah. operates. And to your point, that environment makes a lot of a difference. And so um, it's so important for us to understand that environment and that context. In some ways, we have a lot more control over it than we sometimes recognize. Right. And, you know, good point. I'm thinking even now as you brought this up, we might, you and I might try to tell them the strategy. Okay. Not the tech. It's the strategy. Here it is. Here's the strategy. You know, bring the horse to water. But if their whole environment is like, how many leads you got? Give me more leads. Or how many more collaterals have you created for sales today? Like you got to understand that there's some change management going on. There's, there's an organization that even if you want to do something cool at some trade show, you go back to your office, that office may try to pull you back into that, that bad habit or that bad marketing strategy. That's a really good example. I'm uh was preparing my presentation for B2B forum next week. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a session on marketing strategy. And we're talking exactly about that. If we don't change what we measure, these other pieces will not happen for the exact right. reason that you just described. Right. Yeah. And something that's important to the, like the whole organization, like revenue, as opposed to my cool little marketing stat that nobody cares about, especially not the head of sales or the CEO. Yeah. It makes right. a total sense to do that. What, 
So yeah, where, where are you going? So you got that event coming up. Where's that at? What, you know, yeah. Where, so that's coming up in San Francisco um, cool. next week, which I'm super excited about. I think it's the yeah. first time that B2B Foreign has been on the West Coast. It's usually here local to Boston where I am. So yeah. it'll be a, a treat to do it there in a different environment and shake things up a little bit, um, which is great. And that's the marketing props event. And then um, B2B marketing conference done by Demand Gen Report is coming up uh, early next year. Um, I'm not traveling too much after this trip next week until um, the new year. I have a bunch of client engagements, but um, I'm trying to spend some time with the family and we are going on (laughs) a wonderful vacation with all six of us, my husband, myself, and our four children um, in December. And I've not done that in a very long time. Where are you going? We're going to Costa Rica. Have you been there before? I have not been there before and I'm not taking my computer. So wow. I am really, um, I am not brave enough to not take my phone, but I'm not going to take computer, which will at least limit the kinds of things I can respond to. Um, right. And we're super excited about that. So um, that is I'm, uh, awesome. and then I recently brought on a partner for my business. Um, I've been sort of on my own for a long time and that happened a few weeks ago. So we are, um, you know, entering a new stage of our business, which is wonderful. Awesome. So we're doing our planning for 2019. Yes. You know, eating our own cooking here, right? The things that we right. tell our clients to do. And so it's been a really, um, it's a busy end of year, but a really exciting one for us and for uh, our clients as we're helping them wrap up their plans for next year. Lot, oh, lots of ABM going on in 2019. Okay. A- I heard, so you hear AB, ABM, AI, yeah. things are happening, yeah. plan it out. But again, strategy first. Always. Strategy first. Always first. Always strategy um, first. Yeah, I try not to check that phone too much. I, I was down in Miami with the family, and sure enough, I we at the pool. It's a beautiful day, and I and I checked the email, and it was some stupid thing from some vendor, you know, like give me my eighty dollars, and it's like, <laughs> hold on, you know, we the, we're big enough. We have this AR process. Like, I'm sure you'll get paid, bro. Uh, yeah. Don't worry, but it was just so. It was just one of those things where you should not even think about it, but it got me in the mindset that whole day I was like fuming about that guy. So if yeah. you can lock that in your hotel safe and then tell your kids to do the password. Yeah, um, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be pretty, I think I'm going to be pretty good about it. And we're good, already good, working yeah. with clients to make sure I can have that time. I'm, it's precious time. As my kids get older, all of us being together, it's harder and harder to do. Oh, totally. Um, so I'm, I'm thrilled to be doing it. And also thrilled to be working with clients with some really big stuff and they're planning next year. And they're really taking the time to take that step back and look at their market and their opportunity and yes. what they're good at and what they're not good at uh, and when they want to be. And that, that's, the, that's the really fun work. Awesome. Well, you'll have to give me some tips on Costa Rica. I haven't been, so I'll have to I will let you know how me. it goes. Yeah. I, I, however, have cheated. Um, I used a uh, <laughs> travel agency that is Ooh. does these kinds of tours to arrange. So we're not part of a tour group. I didn't want to do that. It's all private. Yep. But they, I said, here's all the stuff I want to do. I want a zip line. I want a volcano. I want to sit in a hot spring. I want to be on the beach, right? And I want to go through the jungle, right? I want to see a sloth. Like I listed, literally, that's what I did. And they came back and said, hey, here's your hotels. Here's your tours. <laughs> Um, we're going to pick you up here. We're going to pick you up there. And, um, and so I'm sure it'll be fabulous, but I could so take no credit for it. They, you have uh, to worry about logistics at all. You just sort of show up and we show look up. For the slots. We show up. Exactly. Awesome. And every day they give us a little, who's picking us up when and where are they taking us? And uh, I'm very excited for that. Very cool. That's in December. It is right after Christmas. 
So getting out of our crazy weather up here in December sounds perfect. I booked this trip, believe it or not, last February. I was cold and sick of winter. And I told my husband, I am not going another winter without a break. Yep. So in February, in one of those days where we had another foot of snow and I was sick of it, I got online, I called Kensington Tours and I booked us in Costa Rica. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. So I totally relate. We're doing a little family cruise. We're going to try it out in February. Fun! To, you know, get the kids out there. And you, to your point, you got to have a little break. I mean, it's character building being up here. That's uh, right. Frosty New England. That's weather. right. We uh, we're hardy people, but hardy. it's nice to we're it's nice to take a take a little bit of a break and uh, and just enjoy each other's company. And honestly, I find yeah. those breaks bring with it the best ideas, right? We, oh, need yeah. our, we need to turn our brains off. We need to get out of the checklist and the to-dos yep. and um, be able to come back with just a new perspective and a fresh fresh mind and a rested brain. Rest, rested brains have great ideas. Tired oh, brains totally. get stuff done. And we need to both get stuff done and have great ideas. And so this will be um, the best way to start 2019 is to take this little break. A hundred percent. Rested brains work out. Tired brains eat candy. Exactly. So so get your sleep and and rest. Although I'm sure I'll do my fair share of eating candy too over the holidays. Well, and (laughs) and all the things down there in the islands. But can't uh, wait for. I'm thinking frosty drinks and fabulous fresh fruit and. I don't really quite know what to expect in terms of what we're eating, but I'm sure it'll be amazing. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be awesome. Well, photos or it didn't happen. Yeah, that's right. We'll, <laughs> we'll do, I promise. Well, this has been awesome. I don't know if you look at the clock. Just whenever we start chatting, uh, ideas, Netflix, throwing our banks under the under the bus. <laughs> it's fun and I learned so much, and then we have a blast, and time just zip flies. Maybe if we keep chatting, it'll be time for vacation again. I don't know. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Now, thank you for having me. It was really great to talk about it. And I do think the timing is really good for people as they're thinking about next year to just remember to give themselves that moment of pause to, right. you know, we all, while we're closing the year and we have all the pressure of end of year business to do, we can't ignore that step back and that planning for next year. And I know that's a really hard thing to juggle. Uh, I do it myself. My clients do it every day. Um, but it is worth doing. So hopefully this has inspired people to to make that juggle a little bit more interesting. Yeah, totally worth it. Throw out some links. Where where can people contact you, follow you? Obviously your book, we're going to put it in there on, on least possible. Um, Great. Throw out some links for me so we can, we'll put them yeah. in the show notes. Yeah. So um, on Twitter, it's at Samantha Stone. On LinkedIn, if you look up Samantha Stone, you'll find me. Um, Unleashedpossible.com is probably the easiest URL to remember. That will take you both to the website about the consulting practice, but also a lot of information about the book. Um, So I encourage people to reach out in all of those ways and and places and and good luck with their planning. I know know we're going into crunch time. So I... I empathize with that and I look forward to hearing from folks over time. Absolutely. And anyone that's hearing this going, planning, you guys are already planning. Yes, start now. It's going to be Christmas holidays before you know it. So get get cranking. That's right. Thank you so much for uh, joining the fun here. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. If you learned something, and I know you did because I've got two pages here front and back, uh, share this with someone, right? Send a little note. You know, you can 
on your app, you can probably share a segment of it. You can even share the whole episode. Say, hey, check this thing out. It's the future. We're planning the real deal. You know, bullshit aside on AI, what's actually happening. So get this in somebody else's hands so they can hear that. And for everyone else, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will see you all next time.